Hello, I'm Guillermo Felices, Head of Research and Strategy in the Multi-Asset Team at Max, and I'm here with Tommy Pialto, CIO of Global 16 Income at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Today we'll cover three topics. I will start with a quick review of the latest developments about the coronavirus and their implications for multi-asset portfolios, and then hand it over to Dominic to explain how the fixed income team is dealing with this crisis. And finally, we'll discuss what investors should be considering in terms of investor behavior, long-term investment, and diversification. So let me start with the latest macro and market developments. We're monitoring the evolution of the crisis through the lens of four key pillars. The evolution of the virus itself, the resulting economic disruptions, and signs of economic resumptions, the relevant policy responses, and sentiment and stress indicators in financial markets. So the virus is moving from east to west, and the eye of the storm is now in Europe. We're seeing some encouraging signs of stabilization in Italy, but continental Europe, notably Spain, is still a step behind. The U.S. is entering the storm. The number of cases there is soaring, and unfortunately, it is likely to get worse. In China and South Korea, New infection cases remain low, and growth rates are below 1%. We also remain attentive to potential major breakthroughs in terms of enhancing mass testing capabilities or a vaccine, but we haven't seen any breakthroughs yet. In terms of economic disruption and resumption, the latest economic indicators are showing the huge damage that the virus is doing in the Western world. Surveys of economic activity like the PMIs have plummeted in Europe and the U.S., and other indicators in the U.S., like initial jobless claims, have actually also shown significant deterioration. In China, however, economic activity is gradually resuming, with industrial production gradually coming back and clearly still ahead of consumer-related activity. Policy responses have been huge with monetary and fiscal packages now in place in Europe and the U.S. The Fed announced unlimited QE, including facilities to allow corporate purchases, and the ECB announced a new $750 billion emergency bond purchase program. On the fiscal front, the U.S. is close to approving a $2 trillion fiscal package. But in Europe, fiscal leasing programs are in place and are large, but a jointed and guaranteed debt program such as Eurobonds remains elusive. Now, in terms of sentiment and systemic stress metrics, we would say that indicators of systemic stress rose but did not become unhinged, and market volatility metrics are starting to ease following the huge dislocations that we saw in the market, and it seems like the policy efforts are starting to yield fruit. Now, let me say a word uh, in terms of our views on our latest asset allocation decisions. So our fundamental view is still that ultimately we expect a a U-shaped recovery that will require all of us to learn to live with the virus. This will have to involve a combination of innovations in testing as well as gradual resumption of economic activity. The main downside risk to this scenario is prolonged or intermittent shutdowns that would eventually lead to a deeper and longer global recession. In the near term, the combination of Fed and limited QE and the huge fiscal package should actually be supportive of the market, and that's exactly what we're seeing now but it may not mark the bottom of the cycle in U.S. equities. Our main worry near term is that the coronavirus is hitting the U.S. with full force and will likely raise further concerns about the U.S. outlook. In terms of strategy, valuations in U.S. equities haven't adjusted as much as for other risky assets such as U.K. equities and commodities. We actually have more conviction in the latter two, 
their valuations are close to historical lows on some metrics, and we would also note that commodity assets are usually the first to outperform after a cycle ends and should also be supported in reflationary scenarios. We also put a lot of attention to market dynamics. Our technical dynamic analysis proprietary tool is aligned with our fundamental analysis as it flags a major reversal and a medium-term opportunity to buy the commodity as a class and commodity currencies such as the Aussie dollar. Technicals are also supportive of being long UK equities versus US equities. And finally, in terms of asset allocation, we cut our US equity exposure to neutral and replace it with a long exposure in UK equities, global commodities, and a long Aussie dollar versus US dollar trade. Apart from that, we'll overweight Eurozone equities and EM equities. That's it for me. Over to you, Don. Thank you, Guillermo. Uh, so I want to take this, this opportunity to address some of the most common questions that we've been asked by clients over these last two weeks. Um, firstly, uh, our clients want to know how our team is working. Uh, during this crisis, and uh, fortunately to date, uh, we've been we've been truly blessed that despite four likely but as yet unconfirmed infections, the whole team is safe, and those four are already recovering. Beyond that, there are two observations that I would make about how social distancing has truly impacted uh, the fixed income team, uh, and uh, I believe uh, that it's actually made us. Uh, stronger in a way, and it's been, it's been quite positive. Uh, the technology, for one, was there. Uh, we've allowed telecommuting for two years now, and we've proven that we can manage to this significantly higher capacity of remote working over the last two weeks, so I'm very pleased with that. Secondly, uh, I observed that communication has actually improved. For background, the fixed income group operates in eight countries, and under the best of circumstances, you can also tell the difference between them because there is a tendency to focus on your particular office and perhaps your, your next-door neighbor as far as your desk or cube. But with the work-from-home restrictions, we're now all functioning as individuals contributing to the holistic organism. And it's really forced the conversation away from desk neighbors and concentrated it on the people that one needs to connect with to focus on client assets and investment strategies. So I'm actually quite pleased with that. I and my team leaders have had more virtual connection with each other and with the whole of the team than ever before. And I'm truly hoping that there are some lasting takeaways that I know I plan to draw from that in terms of how we work. Secondly, clients clearly want to know how we're positioned and whether we've made any significant changes. And they, of course, want to also know what we're thinking about next. Well, in terms of how we were positioned, we started the year appreciating that we faced a, a lower for longer coupled with late cycle, but still at trend global growth environment. Our longer term view at the time was one that suggested that we begin to de-risk as our view was that growth was likely to continue, but somewhat ease. Of course, this was a strategy which we planned to deploy over the course of the year and like others, we didn't anticipate that markets would react as violently as they have because coronavirus was certainly not on our radar. But because of this long-term thesis, we were fortunate to be less long-risk uh, than we were coming into the year, and we were less long-risk than, I believe, as we look at the data now, that, uh, of many of our peers. So in preparation for potential uh, redemptions, so now, now I'm talking about what we've done in the last two weeks, in preparation for potential redemptions, 
And to build some dry investment powder, we began to pare down risk even further very early on. Uh, and we find ourselves now still long, but far less so than we were just two weeks ago. I should mention, because another question that's come up quite a bit, has been around liquidity in fixed income. Uh, I will say that for the last 14 trading days, even despite the fact that we have rebounded a bit over the last three days, uh, liquidity in most fixed income asset classes has been almost completely evaporated. Uh, One way I'd like to illustrate this is reminiscent of the 2008 financial crisis, where we saw at its extreme even U.S. Treasury off the runs. And by that, I mean all bonds that were not the most recently issued. Uh, These are things that we call the off the runs. They were and continue slightly to trade at a discount to the on the runs. So the most recent 10-year bonds, for example, or the most recent 10-year Treasury is trading at a premium to something that is right next door to it, but is deemed to be less liquid. Liquidity appears to be slowly improving, at least over the last three days, but it's still very difficult to execute any meaningful strategy shift in portfolios, whether it means selling or even buying. So everything that I talk about next, which is about what we plan to do going forward, needs to be taken with a bit of caution, only because it's not so easy to execute. The fixed income market on a good day is not nearly as liquid uh, in certain spots as, uh, as our equity uh, colleagues find their, their space. So it is incumbent, of course, for us to share what we might be doing next in portfolios. And as Guillermo mentioned, the tide is turning somewhat given profound uh, uh, both monetary and fiscal changes in policy. So we as a team are now pivoting away from the purely pessimistic view in order to find opportunities. Current market valuation, despite these three days of modest improvement, still suggests a very indiscriminate and widespread punishing of all sectors, industries, and issuers. By overlaying a more disciplined assessment of growth implications, factoring in, as I said, this enormity of monetary and fiscal stimulus in both Europe and the U.S., we believe that there are significant opportunities in areas such as corporate credit and emerging market debt in particular. Even though implied default rates and credit have spiked to the low double digits from historically low sort of 1% like areas, we believe that most at-risk issuers probably already were at risk, and they were the very names that we were avoiding in the first place. Extreme panic tends to allow active investing to shine in this respect uh, because it now allows us to pick the names and the issuers that we know to be more sound and more appropriately set up to weather this storm. So our plan is to start investing in those that have been beaten down with the rest, but necessarily not deservingly so. In emerging market debt, we acknowledge that the virus, as Guillermo said, the virus wave is slowly moving west from the east, uh, which should slowly open up certain economies like China, at least for now, although our, our epidemiological experts Uh, are telling us that there could be multiple waves and there could certainly be a seasonal wave to this. But we are looking in those those areas. And in emerging markets, we're also keen to look at those countries when they open up that can take up supply chains away from China. They have developed supply chains in response to China's original shutting down that's made some of these countries actually stronger from an economic perspective. And lastly, I just want to cover very quickly a few terms that we're being asked about 
by clients in terms of how we're paying attention to things like investor behavior, uh, our view on long-term investing, and diversification. Starting with investor behavior, that is paramount. The very reason that I say that there are opportunities is because investor behavior tends to swing like a very violent pendulum from greed to fear. And we are certainly right now in the throes of fear. And what that means in those situations is that a lot of things are being taken down along with others. So investor behavior is critical. We do care and monitor uh, the intrinsic uh, measure of, of investor sentiment. Of course, what we've seen over the last three days is purely about sentiment because we have no additional data. Uh, so behavior is very, very important. In terms of long-term investing, clearly that's why we're beginning to add risk again. We do tend to invest for the long term. We look in our strategic thinking and our, our strategic discussions, always talking about three, six, and nine months out. Uh, we rarely talk about the daily, although we've had to. Uh, we've been forced to for both liquidity reasons and, uh, and being prepared for potential redemptions. And then lastly, there's the question about diversification, which uh, is, is really going to be a paramount tenant of, of, of most active managers. I don't think that we hold a monopoly on that. Obviously, modern portfolio theory tells us that a diversified portfolio has a greater uh, propensity to, to have a, a much more positive return experience, even in times of panic. However, when you have extreme times of panic, we, we uh, begin to see something that we call the evolution toward one in terms of correlation. What that means is that sectors that are supposed to go up when others go down, we find, are oftentimes all going down at the same time. And that's because in extreme panic situations, diversification doesn't help you. Many clients find that they just need to raise cash, and they'll do that no matter how they can, which means you sell what you can, as the adage goes, and you try to raise your liquidity wherever you can. So diversification in these last uh, two to three weeks has not really served very many. Uh, we thought, uh, for example, we went in with very long uh, duration exposures, which should be a protection if your credit spreads are widening, but that wasn't the case. That sovereign bonds and, and risk-free rates were also trading down. So diversification is important, but it only matters when you, I suppose, need it less. Thanks, Dom. So just to summarize, Financial markets have anticipated the huge economic losses that the virus crisis entails, but this has also opened interesting investment opportunities that we're trying to exploit. Our fixed-income colleagues are also looking for opportunities to extend risk, taking advantage of wide spreads, notably in investment-grade, high-yield, and emerging market high-currency debt. That's it from us, and of course, if you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. Thank you very much. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.